0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Twitch, on the ESPN app, on Twitter and YouTube. This is The Rift Rewind, our ESPN League of Legends program. Arda, Emily, and Jacob with you. Tyler's on vacation for the week. Uh, For the next 90 minutes or so, we'll be talking about everything League of Legends competitive. We have a backdoor to talk about. We got a lot more to talk about. There is a whole bunch of things to break down. But as we like to start here on the program, at least for the last couple weeks, we will tell you one thing we loved and one thing we hated – from the last week of League of Legends competitive, Emily, what did you love this past week in League of Legends?
1: So I tweeted this out uh, as a joke. It was like two hundred years of game design, which is a shortcut for Ophelios right now, uh, defeated by three three supports in an Ezreal. I absolutely loved the uh, Kingzone Dragon or not Kingzone. Wow, the Dragon X composition that came out uh, as an Ophelios counter this past week in the LCK used three supports including Top, Morgana Mid, and uh the Braum in the bot lane uh with the Ezreal. And I loved it. Like I really loved it. Once this comp got rolling, there was just no stopping them. And it was really hilarious to watch. Um I don't always agree with CB Max's draft choices, actually. I think sometimes he definitely gets a little too cute and a little too in his own head and um picks things that aren't necessarily the easiest to execute, but this is simple. It's easy to execute. It's targeted at shutting down the affiliates. And I absolutely loved it.
0: Very cool. As You take a look at the footage right there on uh, what exactly yeah. Emily was talking about. That's what Emily loved this week. Jacob, how about you? mad lions
2: baby i know that our our resident mad lions hater is not here in tyler but uh and i know emily <laughs> and i are, are big uh i know emily and i are big mad lions stands but like uh i'm all about it man this hot streak i uh the best team in the in the lec right now they can they can take that title uh because they're atop the standings but we well, so i'm sure people would like to argue that and i'm sure we'll debate that if, they, if that's actually true but like Man, I'm digging it, man. And like, I, I, I think I said this earlier in uh, the this program, like through towards the beginning of the season, that like there was this resounding thought in this organization, and one of their uh, one of their executives said to me, uh, the overactive media executive said to me that um, that if you can't like if you can't beat them, then just build for the future. Well, they can in reference to G two, they can not only beat them, but they can also build for the future. So I'm digging the fact that Mad Lions is atop the LEC standings. Uh, i'm happy for what this means for the region both that also rogue who we're going to talk about i think at one point is also having success the fact that both of them are doing really well speaks volume to the fact that eu is a really deep region with a lot of various different talent that makes me really happy so i'm hats off to fedora tip to uh to mad lions uh and yeah good, good stuff fedora tip very uh posh <laughs> of you jacob <laughs>
0: Very gaming. Uh, yes,
1: <laughs> it uh, is very gamer. <laughs>
0: it is very gamer. Yeah. Uh, my what I love this week is uh, I am very I'm a fan of interesting and fun social media voices in particular with brands and teams. Because I know the constraints that are there in terms of how you have to navigate them and keeping with a corporate voice versus trying to find the unique, entertaining voice and trying to engage your audience and being confined to a sandbox while trying to create content that's interesting. G2 does it very well. FlyQuest does it very well. Those are my two examples of teams that I think that any competitive brand or organization, traditional sports, esports or otherwise could learn from. I think they are two very good um uh, case studies in how to find a really good voice and their voice differ as, as well. Flyquest is taking the philanthropic approach and the content that they're creating around it is so wholesome and so it it fits the narrative so well of 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 what they are trying to accomplish. And I just love it, like the aquarium and the fish gods. We'll get to that in a second. But as you can see, uh, we actually got a comment from FlyQuest about the fish gods and how they went 8-2 and two in their predictions. Boy, those fish are doing so well. Overall, the fish gods had a successful first weekend of predictions. This is really from Pro- FlyQuest, by the way. I did get a comment from them. They had an 8-0 no streak and definitely earned some extra-, extra fish flakes for all their hard work. We like to think the two mis- uh, predictions were to keep us mere mortals Humble. So between FlyQuest and G2 who are very self-aware, I'm sure a lot of that comes from Carlos, uh, but also the fact that they just, you know, sometimes take the piss out of themselves when they need to for the sake of entertainment. I think they do a great job. I, I, uh,
1: the fish are owning us in predictions. <laughs>
2: it's true. I, it's true. <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody saw the um, the Ricky Gonzalez tri- uh, Fly Tricky yes. uh, post about the camera shots of the fish tank. It's amazing. I, yes. I just... Give a little bit of love, by the way, because like the social media aspect of FlyQuest is definitely leveled up with some of the hires they've made over the past couple of months, including uh, including Ricky. Um, but also to the fact that like Ricky and his girlfriend is Sky, who works for TSM, and they also make fantastic dog posts on Twitter and so- and Instagram. They they have a, a corgi named Rainer, uh, who's amazing and has his own Instagram account. So shout-outs to, to Sky and uh, Ricky for... Both good LCS content in the case of the fish and then also good dog content. We we like both on this show. Uh, there's a question in chat and maybe this sort of in an
0: adjacent way relates to what you're about to say from what you hated in, the, uh, in League of Legends this week, Emily. Dominic777 oh, says, Emily, do you think EU and other regions are doing anything to adapt to the LPL style of play? Like, what are we seeing out of the LCK and LPL?
1: So... My hate uh, for this week, I I will, like, talk a little bit uh, and kind of address that question. My hate is that it took LCS this long to play Wukong. I totally agree with Mark Z. This should happen way, way sooner. Um, And while I understand, like, uh, NA teams tend to trend towards being a little bit more passive uh, in their play style, um, a little bit more hesitant to sometimes try out new things, although they picked up the Volibear really quickly. And they also picked up the middle sticks before even Doinby did. So there's no excuse for Wukong. The LPL has been playing this since spring. They absolutely love it. It is a staple in the top lane. Um, and I, I was kind of mad that it took the LCS this long to, to play it. Um, and I think... I mean, Licorice is one of, if not the best top laner in LCS. So, uh, it, it makes sense that he did really well with that champion, but, um, I think the, like, as a, to dovetail into LEC specifically, I actually like what I've seen with a lot of LEC teams, not necessarily in being like, we're going to take the LPL, like quote unquote meta, um, because a lot of LPL teams have a variety of different playstyles that they kind of trend to, um. And, and they have like hyper-focused playstyles individually. But one thing that I've seen on top LC, uh, LEC teams is that they also tend to have tended to stick towards like a kind of uh, specific playstyle that really suits their players specifically. And I think that if you're going to beat an LPL team, that's really how you have to do it by focusing not only on what is meta, but also um, on the strengths of your individual players and making the most out of those.
0: What do you think that is? Is that just because top, top laners in particular, right? Like we're still seeing a lot of Aatrox, for example. Is that like comfort picks? Is that something that they just doing it because they're used to it or they're not scrimming the champions that they're seeing in different regions enough? Why do you think that is?
1: Um, I mean, I think the reason why they didn't take a risk on, on Wukong is because if you end up losing out early, it looks really, really bad, right? And Wukong is something that you really have to... Uh, focus not only on, like, your lane um and what you can do in terms of, like, split pushing, but also the entry into team fights and kind of, like, teleporting in and um doing the most for your team that way. I don't think... Like, this is going to sound kind of harsh. I don't think LCS teams typically trust their top laners to do this. Mm. Um I don't think they typically trust their top laners to split push even a lot of the time. Um, and that's, like, a massive generalization, so I don't apply that to every team. In fact, I think C9 is a good example of they can, they can put licorice in a variety of different roles as -hmm. a top laner and he's performed really well at all of them. Um, But I, I mean, I think like LCS teams tend to be a little bit more hesitant to do a lot with their top laners where LPL teams, even bad LPL teams, like at the bottom of the table, they will just let their top laners go off mechanically like they'll be like you're really good at this mechanically so go go off king like see what you can do um and it doesn't always work right sometimes it looks really really bad uh even on top teams like uh the shy has improved in these past few matches but the beginning of summer was really rough to watch um so, I mean, I, it doesn't always work, but I feel like LPL teams definitely focus more on the matchup and they also uh, trust or showcase some sort of trust in their tops to perform well in more, uh, more carry style matchups, especially in the 1v1 or the 2v2 if you're, if you're throwing the jungler up there really frequently.
0: Jacob, what did you hate this week?
2: All right, so I don't hate them as a team because I did just give them a little bit of love during the Mad Lions segment. But come on, Rogue. Like, I, I <laughs> have been... I have been... So I feel like on this show, Emily is the Mad Lions champion. Tyler is the Rogue champion. And I have been the champion of both <laughs> basically since the beginning of January. Especially, like, after the off season, right, when, like, we started reporting all the signings for these teams. Like, I went back and watched a lot of the games of the players I was unfamiliar with in the case of, like, Mad Lions and obviously them playing in National Leagues and things like that. And, like, I was fairly convinced that these players would be pretty good in the LEC on both sides, Mad Lions and Rogue. And they have been. But, unlike Mad Lions, Rogue loses to some teams where I'm just, like, really confused what's going on and then they'll win a game and i'll just be like oh my god they're the like they're amazing right and like we saw that this week that they like beat Fnatic, and maybe Fnatic's not as good as i would give them credit for but then they lost to g2 like in theory right especially because g2's had some issues this split already because and and not to say this is an issue I, again like condolences to perks right like his father passed away Few weeks ago, and he is taking some. He's taking some mental time off. I know we're gonna talk about uh, talk about that in a little bit. When Pinoy is gonna be playing this this week, presumably, right? Like, Rogue should be able to beat both g two and Fnatic this past week. They should not be losing, like, at all. They honestly, they should be. Frankly, in my opinion, they should be undefeated, right? The fact that they have lost uh, to G two twice. Or, I mean, they've lost to G two once. They've lost to Mad once. Like they shouldn't have those losses. I think Rogue should be the best team in the league, and they're not. And it makes me frustrated. that They're inconsistent.
0: Well, they beat Fnatic on Friday. They lost to Mad Lions on yeah. Saturday. But Mad I was say, Lions, tough Mad tough Lions matchup, right? loss, I
1: think, is forgivable. Yeah, I know That's... you're talking about the G two loss uh, in week two, but I I actually loved the Mad Lions composition, the Ivern that came out. I really loved it.
0: We see, we yeah. saw Ivern a couple times in the LEC. I think this week, right? Did we? What a what a No, weird... you saw
1: it in you saw it in LCS too.
2: Oh, sorry, right, yeah, we a couple times in the LCS. What a weird champion, by the way. As someone who plays jungle a lot, like it is one of those, like it is one of those champs that you like have to play in a very coordinated team because it can be actually like it is powerful and it has its moments, but like if you don't coordinate it well around it, if you're not like synergized well, like it doesn't work. So it's kind of. It's an, it's an odd champ for sure. I, I, I don't know how I feel about Ivern right now in the current season. Um, I think it's powerful, but I, I don't think it works for everybody.
0: Well, I know how I feel about social media. This comes to uh, what I hate. Uh, there's a good way to use social media, which is what I just talked about, what I love this past week with certain teams in the League of Legends competitive ecosystem. And what I hate is I've started to notice whether I've experienced it myself, but on a larger scale, just going down the rabbit hole of comments and tweets on certain social media platforms, there's a lot of gatekeeping in League of Legends. And this is not new. And I know that Jacob and Emily have been covering this scene a lot longer than I have, and they will have a lot of thoughts about this. What I'm noticing is the pure toxicity, and we've talked about toxicity on many of our uh, programs in the past, and we've focused on the things that we know are completely wrong. Sexism, racism, xenophobia, bullying. We all know this is wrong. It should not happen. There is a seedy underbelly of gaming that, doesn't, that should not be there. That is, that is a problem. We all know that. But then there is this segment that is the holier-than-thou, gatekeeping, I turn my nose up at you kind of audience where maybe it's people who have loved League of Legends. And don't get me wrong, a lot of these people, most of these people love League of Legends. But they treat it as if it is their right. It is their property. They are League of Legends, and they should decide who else can enjoy League of Legends by virtue of the comments that they make, by virtue of how they treat other people, in particular those who are trying to discover League of Legends for the first time. What I want to say very quickly here is get over yourself. That is the most ridiculous thing. And in fact, that is counter to how you want your beloved thing to grow. By doing that, you are actually hurting the ecosystem and not allowing it to grow and be better simply because you have a crappy attitude that you are now projecting onto other people by having this holier-than-thou stature as if you are on a pedestal because you know what Niski had for lunch the day that C9 won the spring split championship. It was Iskander Kebab, by the way. Look it up. Google it. But in seriousness, you got to stop that. It's not cool. It's not contributing anything but negative vibes. And this is something that doesn't often get addressed because there's much bigger problems. But it's something that needs to end in order for League of Legends to continue to grow. Because at the end of the day, and this is my last point before we jump in here. At the end of the day, League of Legends is still a very big fish in a relatively small pond. They are the biggest esport out there. But esports is still emerging and growing in the entire entertainment and sports scene altogether. So if you want League of Legends to continue to grow and be noticed by more people, well, having people who are snooty and... Uh, conceited and are gatekeeping the entire experience and making it not fun for people, that's not going to help. The floor is yours.
1: I mean, uh, so at first, like, I just want to know what this is in reference to. Is it? Is I'm it not going to throw uh,
0: anybody under the bus. Is it the, definitely...
1: uh, was it the, like, reference to the, what was it the TSM, the TSM 100T game where everyone was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen like on social media because I can address that. I'm sometimes part of the problem there. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of reasons why I think this happens in LLE sports. Also uh, I think that because people feel like since the inception, people feel really close to players because you know, theoretically, if you play the game, you could see them on the ladder, right? Like you can face them in the game, um, and there's a there's a closeness there. Uh, in addition to the rise of streaming, that's kind of precipitated this uh, idea that if you play the game, you have a certain baseline level baseline level of understanding. Um, that is, I think, different than traditional sports where there's a lot more of a separation, right? Like. Uh, you know, people are, people are still going to make fun of, uh, traditional sports commentators for like, you know, I disagree with you. You're an idiot, et cetera, et cetera. When they're commenting on something like football, but they're not expecting that person to be really good at football. Right. They're not expecting them to be really good at baseball. Um, whereas league of legends, there is that kind of weird, like blurring the line between like the gamer and the professional player that I think is uh, a lot different than traditional sports. So there's that also. Um, But then in terms of the 100T TSM reaction, because this is where I saw a lot of casters being like, like, are you not entertained? Like that was very entertaining game. Um, And I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I don't find those games particularly entertaining. And it's because, I think it's because the LPL has ruined me because I can watch two terrible LPL teams go at it a ton you know like they will be so bad they will be making so many macro mistakes you will be sitting there scratching your head at draft you will be like what are you doing why did you just swap away from tempo you basically just handed your opponent the game um and you will be like screaming at your television it will be incredibly entertaining because the LPL just has this like insane depth of talent so even on the lower tier teams you have these players they're so mechanically gifted that And they will try a whole bunch of stuff that you maybe really shouldn't do in a game, but it will be, like, incredibly entertaining. The problem I have with North America specifically, so if you want to call me out for being part of the problem, that's totally fine. You can yell at me, Arda. It's cool. Um, You're not
0: part problem, of the problem.
1: The main problem I have with North America in some of these games is, while I agree the ending was exciting, the mid-game of that was, like no god like just just some of these games that get drawn out in na are really frustrating to watch for me because neither team is doing much and that to me is really boring to watch i'd rather teams take a chance and and look really really stupid and i know they're gonna get like crucified for the communities by the community so maybe that's why they don't do it or maybe they just don't trust themselves to make the plays I don't know I'm not in the LCS team's head so I'm not commenting for them but I will say that that is the main difference between some of these LCS and LPL games despite the fact that I did not take to Twitter and and complain about that I think my only commentary was wow because wow it was a game it was definitely a game that existed um but yeah, I mean the the gatekeeping stuff has always happened. I mean, I had someone in the LCS press room who was a new uh press like like new person uh in the press room try to explain to me what League of Legends was once after I'd been doing this for like a lot of years. So I think there's always this weird like uh not that you should know who I am because that's whatever, I don't care, but like there's a there is a baseline level of of weird like assumption that people that you don't know what you're talking about, that maybe people should reel back and try to be a little bit more considerate. Um, I don't know if I explained that very well. Those were a very long tangent.
2: So, yeah, I like, I have a lot to say here and, and some of this is from an anecdotal perspective, right? So I'm a part of this show. I'm a part of a lot of our league of legends programming and I am put next to two people who I consider to be some of the best analysts in our game, and Emily and Tyler. Um Obviously, Tywer, as we mentioned, is on vacation this week. Um, I am a gold-level League of Legends player. Um, I have been a League of Legends fan since Season 2. Um, I've been around the block. I am not Chakarez. I'm not Emily Rand. I don't spend... My hours and days, jungle path tracking, and I don't say that mockingly because I admire the work. I was not to my day so like, right <laughs> no, no, no. I like. I don't. I don't say. I don't like. Spend spend my days like uh, understanding like w- the minutiae of items and and champions and everything. Right. Like I like. I'm an above average player. It, that plays this game on a fairly regular basis. Right. If you saw yesterday, I've been playing a lot of TFT, which obviously is adjacent. Um, but like I am a reporter. Right. Like my like uh, my day to day is like calling up teams and like talking and like it's it's like the level of access I have is because that's how I spend my days like willfully. Like I that's what I want to do every single day. And it's why like we are able to have things like the free agency show. Right. And like midseason specials and everything, because like I have that level of access and that is an active effort in my life. It can be uncomfortable to be on shows like this one and also other shows talking in the role of an analyst because i don't have the time to commit to that the same way my my colleagues do in some regards and i'm okay i wouldn't be on this show like if i wasn't comfortable being here but certainly like i understand that i'm like don't have the same analytical perspective as some of my colleagues right and that's all right but like even i as someone who's been in this industry for a while i've worked in it for six years i've been a top professional in it for five and i've been at espn for four right like even I get some of this kickback. And not just in League of Legends. This is not just a League of Legends problem. I remember I said something like semi-critical of the Overwatch League and like the competitive Overwatch subreddit, which I have been a part of for four years now at this point, ripped me like six months ago. Like just drug me through the complete mud. And it's like, why do I need to be a top player in anything to understand the human stories of business and also like just telling the stories of people, right? Like you don't need to be. And the same goes for the casters, right? Like, yeah, some of them are top players. Some of them are retired pros in the cast of, of like, Kobe and previously Jap before he went on to coach TL. But, like, at the same time, right, like, you don't have to be a top-level player to understand the stories. That's their job, right? So, like, it kind of bothers me when this is the case because, like, it's not the case in traditional sports. You could be just as smart about the game by, like, maybe not in playing it, and maybe you can't execute in the same way that a professional player would – But you can certainly talk about it from a in a level of depth by every single day doing what Emily does and doing what Tyler does and watching a bunch of content or watching a bunch of content in games and then making conclusions by draw like analyzing this versus this and sort of like breaking down and doing your math and your homework. Right. Like you can understand as much of that and not be a diamond level player. That's okay And like I don't get the gatekeeping. I think it's because my theory would be because of the level of access. That, like, the level of access, uh, not just to players, but also access to the actual game itself that a lot of fans have. The fact that our, some fans do commit a lot of their life to the game, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, there are a lot of fans who are, like, Platinum, Diamond, you know, master-level players. That's cool. But, like, stop having the expectation of every single professional you ever see on any show or on any cast being a being as good at the game as you and it doesn't mean that you deserve their job and it doesn't mean that they deserve to be as high as level of you because the other part you're not saying about this the other part you see about what we don't or what we do and what the broadcast talent do and everything else like and i'm not saying this about our community because they've been actually very welcoming and like art of learning league of legends and playing on stream with me i appreciate the people in our twitch chat because they are great people and, and they've been really welcoming and helpful to to us in that regard But at the same time like it's very disappointing to see the expectation like the part you don't see about our jobs is the fact that like all of us have had to go through some level of training to a certain minimum and like the mentorship and everything else that we've had to put in the other part of the job as have the talent on the riot broadcast that that's the part of the job it's not just about being a good player so that's my like mini soapbox rant that yeah like it is really frustrating it is really annoying it's not exclusive to league of legends and like at the end of the day, like we're all like trying to we're all trying to like make the industry better collectively. So I, I, as long as like the intentions are okay, I don't expect everyone to be like a high level League of Legends player that talks about League of Legends all the time.
0: with that said, our community here, those that are in the chat watching this program, have been very nice. So thank you for watching. and thank you for being spreading good vibes in the chat. Let's move on. Let's talk about the l c s hundred thieves making some changes. Medios has been benched. Stunt is out. They are currently eighth in the LCS. They lost to CLG and, of course, that ridiculous game against TSM that I'm sure we're going to get to a little bit later on. Uh, Medios tweeted and then deleted, but left a couple of other tweets up regarding this entire situation. Let's show you uh, what was deleted, I believe. This one uh, is no longer there. Pretty weird to hear players on my team didn't know about or agree with the decision. All credit goes to Zix, Jungle Juice, and Papa Smithy. Uh, clearly, the people not on the team know what's best for it. Woo! Uh, he then later <laughs> tweeted, uh, "I'm about to become a Pokemon Unite main. I okay, can look forward to that. And also, maybe it's a
2: blessing. So there was one also there that he said, "It's it's pretty troll XD. This is a pretty troll move XD. That's the other one uh, that we we don't have that's now deleted is I pretty troll XD uh, that I'm being benched again after week three or whatever. It was like a rhyme." Um, which was pretty. pretty That was the initial that
1: was the initial tweet before he did the one that was like calling out management. Yeah. Um so what does this mean? So let's
0: let's let's take it from the Medios side, Emily, first. Is the uh I mean safe to say this is the end of Medios with Hundred Thieves. I mean, this seems pretty irreparable. I mean, if I was Medios, I wouldn't want to come back.
1: I mean, I think uh so I listened to um to Papa Smithy on uh Travis Gafford show Hotline League last night. And if people want to know kind of at least some of his insight, he's pretty good about, uh, you know, keeping everything like fairly buttoned up, but he did have a lot of uh, insight about why they made the moves, uh, his own personal relationship with Medios, et cetera. Um, I think that 100T, I, I don't think... Like, I think the tweet probably affected his relationship with 100T, but not irreparably, um, because I think at least from what I heard from Papa Smithy, it really seemed like they were, uh, or at least he was very understanding of the fact that, you know, when stuff like this happens, especially since it's like the same exact time uh, as it happened previously. uh, And I think he probably came into this summer with the expectation that, um, he was going to be the starter for the entirety of the split. And additionally, um, I mean, from, from my perspective, I actually think uh, the past few games, Medioses looked better than, than what he did in the, in the first few in summer. Um, I actually think that he was, you know, not the problem in, in their most recent losses. Um, so, I mean, that, that's really tough. Uh, I think the, I think whether he's like quote unquote done with 100T is going to depend more on him than the org ultimately like i think it's going to matter a if the org wants him back because their thought process is that um contracts has been been performing really well in academy uh he's already been at the LCS level he actually had a really like strong strong debut with C9 before uh before moving away and and kind of falling off um and then poom who's there uh, one of their academy supports who just got bumped up from their uh, pipeline of uh, 100T Next, um, which is actually really cool to see. Uh, it's really cool to see that he is being given a shot. And if you want a more, like, a really well written, mature statement, you should read Stunts to it longer about being benched because even though Medios has taken kind of the <laughs> He's uh, he's taken over the conversation right with his reaction. Stunt has a really like uh, a poignant, well written uh, thing that he came out with about his benching and and how you know like it sucks, but he realizes that he has a, a support and safety net now. Um, that was really good. I mean, I don't i i listened to how what Papa Smithy had to say about the about the benchings. It's kind of worth a shot. Um, I don't necessarily think it should be Medios, but I'm not on the team. I think whether he comes back is going to depend on how how much uh how angry he is and how much this affects him more than the team, if that makes sense. At least from listening to what Papa Smithy had to say, it it seems like if the team wants him back, they'll they'll definitely call him back. Mm-hmm. Um but that that's just my perception again, like as someone outside of the situation. I have no idea, but I don't necessarily think it's the end of Medios with 100T LCS, although it very easily could be.
2: So this is a informed guests uh given that i reported on the last time this happened and I actually remember exactly where i was it was that ceo 2018 in 2000, yeah ceo 2018 and had to leave the event to go deal with it the last time uh Meteos and 100 thieves broke up um and then also i've spent some time with Medios over the years and and gotten to know him a little bit i would say the very strong social media reaction we saw because he was probably a little triggered that that like uh that it was happening again right like the there was definitely and some of this was the fact that like probably is no longer involved and and zix and papa smith a new management came in right like the management that previously traded him if you remember what happened last time he actually was traded without being told, which there's nothing wrong with that, like, legally from a contract perspective. That can happen all all at once, right? Like, But it is kind of a little bad manner that they didn't even tell him. I don't think they needed his consent in any way, but at least give him a heads up, like he found out uh, through someone else, I think, um, not directly. Um. So I think, yeah, that's, like... That's BM. If you find out yeah. from someone other
0: than your management that you're getting benched or traded or something that's bm yeah so that's what I happened think that last should be time. the norm
2: yeah that's what happened last time and he like so i think he's a little triggered that it happened this time even though it is different management and some of the issues that existed back then were with between him and Prolly and everything else because probably was the coach at the time um so i think he was a little triggered that that this happened um and so i get that, like. But also like he should honestly take this a little bit more grace- gracefully at least at least he like at least they told him right, like at least they like told him to his face that it was happening. um, I don't think will is a bad person i, I like I've been around him a, a lot, and I don't think like he's necessarily a very poor intentioned. I do think he can be a little immature and was in this instance, but like, yeah, I mean, like there should be a market for him. In my opinion, like if we were to talk like Papa Smithy did say that they're kind of open to other like uh, other things on the table for him. Like, say, if there was a team that wanted to trade for him, like, I think there's a market for him. He's a North American born jungler. He doesn't you don't have to go through any of the transfer process or any of that that would come in the middle of the season that would be difficult. I definitely think that there is someone out there that would be willing to take. uh, I think there's definitely somebody out there willing to take Medios on. Um, He's actually
1: he's so smart about the game, too. Like he, he is. And I know like one of the things, I think another reason why he really took this uh, hard and why I, I tend to be like, like, yes, not the best reaction you'd want, but also a little bit more lenient on this is that, again, this is all coming from, from Papa Smithy uh, and what he said. So like take that into consideration, but um he said that Medios was a huge voice on this team. Like he was the one who was like, when everyone was frustrated, he's like, brush it off. We're going to keep practicing. We got to keep playing. Like he was incredibly motivated this entire split. He was definitely the team leader. Um, And, and in that regard, I'm really curious to see what hundred T looks like uh, this coming week, because it's very apparent that Medios was a huge part of whatever was going on on this team. And he was, uh, really trying to be that that kind of in-game leader um that you would expect a veteran of his caliber to be Medios is actually just uh, insanely smart about the game itself um like he he's someone that I would love to see like I know he was on the analyst desk previously but I would love to see him on an analyst desk or or as like a coach on the regular just because he's so incredibly smart about the game um if he ever wants to like retire like completely but uh I'm, I'm curious about that as well, because I think one of the reasons why he took it so hard is because he was apparently like the loudest voice on this team and what's going to happen to hundred T now where they don't have that, that super loud voice um, with, with contracts and, and Poon coming in uh, like who, who is going to be that voice. Cause I know talking to, I actually love contracts as well. Um, and talking to him, I know previously one of the things that he always talked about as a deficiency that he was like trying to work on in his own play was being a better shot caller, being a louder voice, taking a lot more responsibility and action behind what the team is doing, especially in the early to mid game. Um, so I'm curious to see how they work as a sport jungle duo. And I'm curious to see how Koki Siv, the team, looks like going forward without Meteos since he was such a large voice. Who is
2: the, he also, in- he he also, on by the way? on the team? I, I just want to mention, like, he did, he chose 100 Thieves over a couple different teams, including Dignitas, uh, throughout the offseason. So, I like, maybe things would have gone better with Spring Dignitas with him instead of Grig. I don't, I don't know how much better we could have, like, assessed that, right? But, like, I don't think Grig did very well in the spring split either. So, I, I think, like, Medios, like, there was definitely some baggage to get over before coming back to 100 Thieves, uh, and this ironic, past offseason. So, yeah. Ironically, the,
0: best. I mean, when I say best, I mean there's still a low possibility, but if you're looking at the junglers across the LCS, the first place you might look at is Dignitas and Acadian because he's the only one with a KDA lower than him this split. But every but even more than that, every other jungler in the LCS seems pretty set for this split at least. At least for like the next month or two. If when you, you look uh, at the rosters,
2: You heard of my boy Spica? You think that's
0: going to be switched? You think they're going to make a switch there?
2: I don't think so, but TSM ain't going so well right now either. So, uh, and I'm not blaming him for it, but I'm just saying generally, like, he is unfortunately going to likely be the scapegoat of this TSM team, as we've talked about before, whether it's his actual fault or not. So, I, like... That's a clout thing, I don't know. though. That's a clout thing. hundred percent. But, like, you have one, like, we understand double the status in this in this team. Bjergsen's, a, uh, like, a part owner, right? Like, all these yeah, things it's are a factor. A very, very which, tough. Right? Like, Biofrost is really good friends with management, too. Well, like, Broken Blade, Broken Blade is, like, such a sweetheart. How can you scapegoat him, right? Like, so come on. <laughs> e- e- Emily, here, look.
0: Santorin, Blabber, Wiggly, Broxa, Spika, X- 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 Smithy Slash, whatever they got going on in Immortals, Potluck. Sven Skarin, closer, Acadian. You, when you, the expert jungler analyst, right? When you hear that, where could Medios possibly compete in the LCS right now for for a spot?
1: Oh, see, that's so mean because now you have to have me like bench a well, jungler. Well, I'm not. I'm not.
0: I'm not uh, I'm, compete. Compete.
1: I mean, the only places I would look at would probably be. I, I honestly wouldn't look at TSM. I hope they stick with Spika. Um, because I think Spika could benefit from having a full split in in LCS. I um, and I actually either. think I actually think that they've shown a surprising amount of um, trust in Spika. You know, like they they let him walk in the cane despite the fact that it did not work out. Like that shows that you're actually willing to let your jungler at least try out something. Um, and in fact uh, we'll talk about this later but I think one of TSM's problems more recently is that they try too many different things um at <laughs> once. But uh, oh man um see I want Acadian And I'm not to get, dunking
0: like, on Acadian. Split. I'm not want, I'm not I trying to, to dunk. I want
1: Acadian to get the full split too though because I feel like he's another like the this is a, another issue that I'll bring up that's kind of not it's tangentially related to medios but it has to do with the NA talent discussion is that so many players People make up their mind up about really quickly after like one or two games or one or two series previously uh, when we had series in the LCS um, and then like write them off for forever without letting them actually grow and fail for an entire split. And that is something that I think a lot of other regions are, are willing to do uh, even if it means that their team kind of isn't good for a while. Um, NA, more than any, more than any other region, maybe this is just like recency bias, but they seem to write off players like incredibly, incredibly quickly, especially their own talent. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean that weird, like, I, I don't think Medios is an example of this. Cause I think, I, I think a lot of teams could benefit from having Medios. actually, just cause again, he's like, so, so incredibly smart about the game um, just to have him like on a roster. uh, But I think he'd want to start. Um, But if you're asking me about like someone like Spica, someone like Acadian, like I want them to just sit and start for a split and not have to, you know, like just, just let them start for an entire split. Like, I know this is like off the topic of the media situation, but this is something that really frustrates me in North America. Just generally is that like, a lot of these players that people say they've made their minds up around and that we know, and there are definitely a known quantity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. they they actually haven't been given a chance to like fail and succeed across an entire split.
2: So what we're going to, hold on. I, I just want to say something really quick. Cause it's pertinent. It was on my show last night on the ego. Uh, Jason Lake said this and I couldn't agree more. Um, he's the CEO of complexity which top counter-strike team. um, I can tell you exactly why that doesn't happen in North America, though, right? Like, this is a, a perspective that was, like, I knew, but, like, Jason brought it up yesterday, and I think it's applicable to League of Legends. The way that investment works in North America, especially with a lot of these teams, right? Like, a lot of these teams have not found what makes them popular other than winning. Like, if you think about esports teams at large, there are That's very few point. teams. There are very few teams that, that are successful, like, if they're, even if they're bad, right? Like, there's maybe three in North America. Hunter Thieves. Uh, four 100 thieves cloud nine phase and tsm they will be popular no matter how trash they are at whatever respective game they and, are in. and i would even argue that
0: 100 thieves and phase are popular for different reasons Correct. other than esports
2: well i mean they're just like popular in general right yeah. like of esports yeah. of teams in, in esports but right? their, brand value, their brand value
0: their brand value comes from something other than esports competition
2: that's yes they the are a lifestyle
1: brands they, brand. they, that's they the found, point that's the they point. found other ways to be yes
2: popular. Content, content in the case of phase and and clothing in the case of Honor thieves like clothing and lifestyle in the case of Honor yeah. thieves right agreed props to them right but every other team to be like successful or like to ha- like have bigger sponsorships they need to win right so like they're in se- and also their investors expect them to be a very successful brand how do you become a successful brand where you don't have anything unique about your organization you win so every single team is incentivized, and we've seen this year over year over year. Immortals previously, back when, like, they had the Hooney Rainover roster. EG right now is probably the best example of this because they went out and spent a ton of money to put together their current roster and, like, was going to e- spend even more Chovy, as Tyler and I have discussed on this show and others before, right? Yep. Like, they all just want to win, 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 and just, like, pour money into things. So, like, no, like... Yes, in theory, the franchise system should make them want to take big challenges on people like Poom and people like Spica, right? And, like, make it to the point where, like, they can develop talent over an extended period of time because it's very unlikely that they are the worst team three splits in a row and get relegated, right? That's the only way you can do it in the system. But they are incentivized to do the exact opposite because they have to win to increase brand value to then please their investors and to also make an ROI eventually. So, so what, that's my thought, and it's unfortunate saying- that it's that way. What we're saying
0: is, congratulations, Medios, on joining CLG. <laughs> That's what we're saying. I like Wiggly. <laughs> um, Wiggly. I like Wiggly.
1: That's All right, Wiggly.
0: Let's, let's give one thought each on Immortals. Uh, they brought in, speaking of trying new people, they brought in their entire Academy roster, Smithy included. They went one in one on the weekend. Jacob, you are Nostradamus. You are the prediction machine. As, as soon as we did the GM simulator, Immortals heard you, made the decision. They listened to you and said, you know what, Jacob Wolf is right. And they fired Zabutin and Keaton, their head coach and GM, respectively. Uh, wh- a thought from both of you. Uh, was the timing right here? Did they wait too long? Did they not wait long enough? And what do you think about the Academy team sticking around
2: in the LCS games for a little while? Jacob, let's start with you. I mean... Yes, I'm excited to see this roster change and they finally won a game. It should have happened. I'm sorry, and I say this, like, I always need to qualify this. I've known Keaton Cryer for a long time, known Sabatine for a decent amount of time. They are not bad individuals on a personal level, but I was very disappointed in how they have managed teams, both for Optic and now Immortals. It is sad because their Academy team actually was fairly successful previously, and I wish they would have given Koobs a shot, who has been relieved from that team also. Um, he's no longer involved with their Academy uh, squad. Um and was kind of the one that built this academy squad. So I wish Cubes would have gotten a shot. I'm glad the Academy players are getting shot. It's clear that they are more competitive than the Immortals team of old. Um and uh yeah, I hope the next the next things that happen in this offseason get rid of I know they have contracts through next year, but get rid of ICA and SOAS. I'm sorry, later. Emily, do you agree?
1: Shout out to my boy Insanity. Who had his LCS debut? Uh, I think the when people are are kind of joking around about this roster and being like, "Well, it's just uh, a bunch of people uh, who've already had a chance and insanity." I actually think Alarim uh, to start is one of another one of those players that has never been given a full split to really succeed and fail, um, and. Um, um, I am glad that he is getting another shot. Uh, and then Insanity, who is someone who made his LCS debut this past uh, this past weekend and and won his first match um, in a in a time when NA mids are an endangered species to some extent. <laughs> um, so I was really happy that the team. Like I, I do think that sometimes if you are trying to uh, take. Uh, native NA talent and bring them up. To my point, I, I did say the I wanted the, it to be like so as Iksmithy Insanity Apollo Kakuho, I think, was the roster I had had drawn up as the fake Immortals GM last week. Um but I think like you do kind of have to have that that stabilizing presence of of veterans along with the younger talent. Um, and I think smithy is one of the best junglers you could possibly ask for in North America in terms of trying to bring up a, a mid laner. Um, I actually think Medios would be another one to, to loop back around and like make it full circle. Uh, not that he should replace Smithy. I just think Medios, again, really smart about the game. I think he could teach a, a rookie mid laner a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that was the thing that made me the most happy is that Insanity God's Chance. He did pretty well uh, in their in their first game. I know their second game was against C9, which it was a really good situation for them, right? It was a game that uh, they they could win and, and eventually did um, against Golden Guardians. And then it was a game that they could play really freely because there's no expectation that they're going to beat Cloud9. Uh, and that's a good situation. That's actually a good situation to put a rookie out, in my opinion, because it does take a lot of the pressure off, you know, like it, it, you can go out, uh, you can, you can try to perform to the best of your ability. Obviously I don't think Alarim had a particularly good time because he was targeted from the get go. Um, and was not allowed to play league of legends for the entirety of that game. Uh, but I think it was a really good, like it was the best possible situation that could come out of uh immortal starting insanity. And so I hope that they, at least stick to developing him as uh, uh, a native talent on their team.
2: Well, speaking I, of quality, oh, go ahead, Jacob, last thought. Here. I was just going to say really briefly to Emily's point about people giving up on talent early, right? Like I said this about MASH last week. I think it applies to Alrim also. Uh, particularly like take into account the types of organizations they're playing for. MASH played for Team Coast before he was playing for FireQuest, Quest oh, and team, team Coast is a dumpster fire of an organization oh. so much that, that Riot, like Riot kicked out... Dignitas, originally owned by the Philadelphia 76ers parent org because the Team Coast people were involved. Um, Let that say again for a second, that they kicked out a big sports org like that because of that. Um, And then the other part of that, like, Alleran was a part of Echo Fox, also now, like, well-known that it was a dumpster fire also. So uh, these guys both deserve, Mash and Alleran both deserve another shot because they were not put in uh, in positions to succeed the first time around.
0: Well, speaking of NA talent, uh, one thing that we're going to endeavor to do on a weekly basis here at ESPN Esports is bring you more League of Legends interviews. Uh, Really excited about this. We're going to try and stockpile them as much as we can over the weekend after LEC and LCS matchups. And we started this past weekend. I had a chance to catch up with Vulcan. Uh, one of the premier NA talent out there in the LCS, fellow Canadian. I asked him a bunch of questions. That full interview is available at youtube.com slash ESPN esports. But in this clip, he talks about C9 and just the idea of how long these players are under contract with C9, all the starting players, and how much they think about possibly picking up where Team Liquid left off in terms of building and creating a dynasty in the LCS. Here's a clip. How important is it for Cloud9, for example, to go undefeated this split? How important is it for Cloud9 to establish a dynasty and win multiple splits in a row like Team Liquid did? Like, Do you guys ever talk about those kind of things? Not at all, actually. I think we're mostly focused on making sure we improve every day because it becomes harder and harder with, like you said, with uh, Cloud9 having like a, a gap between the first and second team and just the rest of the league in general. It's hard to find improvements, so we're focused on you know finding uh, stuff that we can improve at Finding our weaknesses and making sure that we are covering those and, and trying to make them strengths. Um, and as for the the 18-0, uh, it's in the back of our mind, but we don't really discuss it. I think we we, we take the 18-0 for sure, but we prefer just focusing on game to game, um, scrim to scrim, make sure we're you know developing new play styles, new champions, um, and and the dynasty thing. I'd like to you know win multiple splits with tal and and beat the four times in a row, but um, I don't want to look too far ahead, too far in the future. Um, just focus on game, game by game. So as I mentioned, that full interview is available at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. One thing I mentioned, uh, asked him off camera was, how would Canada do if there was a League of Legends World Cup? And he said, pretty much all the positions, there's at least an LCS or, or starting player for each position except for mid lane so we need to canada if you're listening let's develop more mid laners so that we can compete uh in the league of legends world cup that will i'm sure someday happen and emily you did tell me that uh we did well before i was cat- here cat be
1: yeah. there you
0: go lady uh, uh, carry
2: was wild turtle i would imagine yeah
0: there yeah. was uh licorice uh who else uh I looked this up. I should have written it down, uh, but anyway, we'll we'll get it to <laughs> you later. Get it. There's, no, there's actually a, what, there's actually the a Canadian list. Team that Vulcan
1: came up with. Here. I'll look it, I'll
0: look. I'll look it up because I did have. I did actually go down a rabbit hole. I'll get some names for you. But in the meantime, let's talk about the fact that the C nine lineup is currently under contract with two Canadians on the lineup. By the way, until November 2022. <laughs> So that begs the question. They're already on the path to becoming a dynasty. We've talked a lot on this program, Emily, about how they're leaps and bounds above every other LCS team. And, and we often joke about 18-0 and, 0 and how, much, how many wins they can rack up in a split. Do you think this has staying power? Do you think that they are the next dynasty here? And, and really, what is the roof for this team?
1: Uh, So I think the roof for this team is unfortunately NA due to COVID-19, which is really unfortunate because the most frustrating thing, and I know I keep repeating myself every time we talk about C9, I'm going to say it again, the most frustrating thing about watching the C9 team is knowing that they have not been able to actually go up against talent outside of North America because I think that... I would love to see them go up against teams from Europe, South Korea, and China to see how well they would do. Um, Because right now they're at the top of NA, but North America is the weakest major region. Uh, And that has to be considered when you're looking at, at C9. That's not to say that NA cannot produce a team that can compete at an international level. Um, But that since we haven't been able to see it, it's frustrating. And also like the C9 players have said this themselves, that losing teaches you so much more than constantly winning, right? And so sometimes if you keep winning and winning and winning, it actually uh, like without, uh, you know, accidentally uh, degrades your skill because you're not seeing a lot of the mistakes that you are still making because teams aren't challenging you. Um, so in regards to whether they'll be like the next North American dynasty, I am still picking them to win the summer split and I don't see, uh, any, I, I don't yet see a team that can really contend with them in a best of five. Um, however, I think calling them a dynasty is like super premature considering that they've won one split.
2: I I don't disagree with that. I think that this team is not at least like I I spent some time with Blaber and uh Sven and Reaper a few weeks ago um talking to them one evening and I like I think that this team doesn't have the interpersonal issues that 2018 and 2019 C9 had in the case of like there was some tension obviously between Sincere and Blaber having split time like last year it seemed like everybody kind of didn't like Sneaky and Zazel right like uh because they just like they didn't play together very often Sneaky didn't Like sneaky, like only he streamed a lot, but didn't really like commit to playing with his teammates as much in solo queue and duo queue and sort of building that relationship. But then also, like Zazel apparently just like didn't play solo queue at all, um, which is a little weird. Um, But nonetheless, yeah, it seems like like these guys like on a personal level are pretty are gelling pretty well, and like I hope, although I'm sadly going to predict that we may not get to see them in at an international tournament until 2021. And um, that sucks if that's the case. Because like I've, I, MSI would have done so good for like so many wonders for them. Even if they did end up losing to uh, some of the teams from China and Korea and Europe, like that would have been very good for them. Because I do think this is a team that's motivated to learn, um, but it's hard to learn when nobody's making you like exposing your weaknesses. So uh, it kind of it's kind of unfortunate.
0: So one one answer here for. In terms of dynasties, obviously, when another one begins, the previous one ends. And so where would you say, if you were to look at the spring split, where would you say Team Liquid's dynasty ended? I, like, I, I, I've been thinking about where you would pinpoint exactly when the dynasty team liquid's dynasty was definitively over some might say the end when they didn't make the playoffs that was the definitive point but was there somewhere where you really felt even if it was early in the season with brox's visa issues or double lifts motivation or whatever was there any point where you said now nah, this dynasty is severely like i am very confident in saying that this dynasty is over i mean worlds
2: worlds 2019 like I've said it before, I think that I think that the all the issues with double lift um in terms of motivation and everything happened after world's two thousand and nineteen. I think that it uh wasn't as much this spring I, I think that after worlds part of this team was part of the liquid team was kind of toast so um yeah I think like the proposal to have Xmithie double juggle with Broxo was kind of weird uh, I think that had smithy stayed on this team that things may have been different just from a personal perspective because everybody got along with him and he sort of was like the glue that held the team together. Um, But he didn't want to split time with Roxa and he had a very large sum of money waiting for him at Immortals um, and and a full-time starting spot, at least in the spring. So that's what he took. And I feel like this team has not been the same ever since Worlds 2019. That would be the cutoff marker for me after they bottomed out of Worlds.
1: Yeah, I was going to say when Nick Smithy left, that's when it ended.
0: Yeah. When Nick Smithy left, that's definitively when the dynasty ended. Of course, TSM had a dynasty once upon a time and pieces of that dynasty are now back with TSM. And one of them executed a <laughs> lovely backdoor this past weekend. Uh, it was great. It was exciting. In my opinion, it was it was entertaining. I think that's the right word to use. It was entertaining for... Uh, and Emily, I agree. for For all the erratic play and the like, lack of high-level League of Legends that we might have seen for the first... That was, that was like, a 45-minute game, wasn't it? It was, like, a very long this game.
1: game, for me, it was, like, a lot of suffering and then a really exciting ending. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, I feel like I am unfairly comparing NA teams to, like, LPL teams. So that's probably because I... I'm so used to seeing teams play a little bit faster and taking a lot more risks and definitely getting punished and dying for them. But that is always exciting, despite the fact that I would not consider it high level play. Um, the very end of this was incredibly exciting.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, you're going to see Bjergsen's back door here as he leaves everyone behind, grabs the Nexus. I dragon fight,
2: baby. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like just a great, uh, just a great veteran move from someone who has been in the scene for a very long time. So in honor of this, uh, we asked our esteemed panelists to pick their favorite or best backdoor <laughs> plays in League of Legends history. And here, here is Bert Bjergsen right here. Now we finally got to the point where now Shock he's wave. being chased. The Shackboy saved him because nope. he was
1: owned by Aatrox, I think. That's
0: beautiful. And the pop-off by the commentators was great too. Pastry time in ale. Uh, popping off there was pretty funny. So, Emily, let's start with you. Your favorite or best backdoor play in League of Legends history is?
1: So, it's actually the original Xpeke backdoor, but I wanted to bring up, and this isn't even necessarily a backdoor in a traditional sense, but I did want to bring up the amazing finale of KT versus Invictus Gaming at the 2018 League of Legends World Championship. And the reason why I wanted to bring up the finish of this game is because not only is it just like, it was so close that none of the, the players themselves looked confused when it ended. And the entire, like being in the audience, I'm sitting there. I declined to sit with Ashley because I knew I was going to be a mess. Cause Katie is the only team I'm actually emotionally invested in as like a fan. And I just sat by myself, like in a random part of the stands, just surrounded by fans. And I sat with the KT fans. So I actually sat like behind the two KT. uh, banner women who are waving like the giant KT flags. And we're all just sitting there stunned. Like the entire reaction was just like, it it was like quiet. And then just this like insane roar of energy. Um, I've never been part of a more electric moment in league of legends. And you can see the, the, the shock on KT like they're, they're just like, I don't even know. They're probably just exhausted. They might not believe that they won. Um, I, I, this isn't uh this isn't like a backdoor i don't think in a traditional sense Place Race, but i love this moment and i cannot believe that i was there to witness it and it was like it was just a very like sublime thing to be a part of despite the fact that katie ended up losing that series and ig went on to win worlds
2: and so there you go i love it uh jacob yours so I was going to actually choose, but the, at least I, I did choose a game with some stakes on the line. I was going to choose the Medios Nocturne backdoor uh, against Team Coast, I believe, from the 2014 Spring LCS split. But Team Coast, as we mentioned earlier, were absolute dumpster fire trash. So I felt like that one didn't really have many stakes on the line. Instead, I chose the Zion Spartan uh, Dignitas, also the same season, 2014, Um it, Versus TSM, actually, and Bjergsen's on that team, uh, where he backdoored with Nasus. That was, that was my pick. Uh, I remember this game very vividly. Um, he beats down the tree of Dyrus on Maokai with Nasus. Obviously, if you aren't super familiar with that champion, you farm your stacks, you do lots and lots and lots of attack damage uh, based off of your stacks. And and Zion Spartan TPs down to the bot lane and just starts hammering away at at the base. And TSM just does not know what to do. They eventually get Dyrus back on that TP. and Obviously, he tries to stop it, but he just can't. Like, it's just the Nasus is too strong. Farmed
1: up Nasus. Yeah, it's
2: really hard to stop a armed up Nasus. What do you know? And then, like, if you watch this play, by the way, (laughs) it's actually really funny to see the fact that, like, the back and forth. Like, at what point there, TSM acted like they were going to recommit and try to win the base race. They certainly couldn't. And Zion is just like, sliver on health, by the way, there right at the end. Wax the base, survives, and the pop-off. <laughs> Zion and Crumbs uh, next to one another. What a moment. This is one of my favorite moments in LCS history. It's it's actually a playoff game. It's quarterfinal too, so there are some stakes here at play. Pretty sure TSM went to win, win that series, but that was, like, super hype. That was after Coast lost Shifter and Zion, and they actually went to a team that people regarded pretty well at the time in, in Dignitas, right? Like, this is before Cutie Pie and Kiwi Kid were a total meme. And, like, Crumbs is still pretty respected. So, yeah, like, this was this was a good time.
0: Well, sometimes a backdoor provides an entertaining play. And other times it completely changes the course of someone's career. And such was the case for the most popular and famous backdoor in history, the Xpeke backdoor. It happened in 2013 at IEM Katowice. It was a matchup between Fnatic and SK Gaming. And it changed Carlos's life, that's for sure, (laughs) as uh, he was his lane opponent there. And, of course, the rivalry between Xpeke and Carlos still lives on today in an iteration. But Xpeke certainly made this famous so much so that oftentimes a backdoor is called an Xpeke in honor of him. And I've spoken with Carlos. Jacob, you were there as well when we spoke with Carlos at length in in an hour-long interview. It was a really cool interview. I wish it popped off more than it did on our channel. But you can find it at uh, our YouTube channel slash ESPN Esports. And he talks about how this really changed his life. And at the time, he was devastated. And he honestly thought his career was over because it was such a humiliating moment for him. Yeah, but there's a picture from this it. event where like he like is crying in his scarf. Exactly, right? And and but he used that eventually as motivation to become better and he looks back on it now and there it is right there exactly what you're talking about. He is not happy in that moment as you can imagine. But now he's used that as motivation and he is very happy that that happened in his life because if not for that setback, basically he took Three steps back to take ten steps forward, and now he is who he is, leading G two Esports. So, it's it's just fascinating to look back and see what kind of motivation or things come out of these kind of moments. Not just entertainment value, but how it shapes people. In in this case, Carlos.
2: Yeah, I mean, like that that XPK rivalry, both on and off the Rift, is like actually super fascinating in the sense that like it like converted to G2 and origin as well. Like these two Spanish Medliners doing like their own thing, uh, post post career. And like both started off really, really rough actually. Like, uh, this is something I wrote about from that interview as well. When, when that came out that like, uh, what happened with Carlos and, and Expeque, like at some point people weren't being paid for on origin. Like there were all those like allegations of like verbal abuse towards LS with, with the case of G2 and like, the thing is, is like to get out of the hole for XPEKE, he's had to take on additional funding and like basically sell off his, his soul to the Refresh Group or to the Astralis Group. Sorry, uh, that that run the Astralis Counter Strike team. Uh, but props to Carlos because like his emotional sort of like uh, the the way he has matured. If anyone knows Oscelot of old versus Carlos of new, um, is actually really fascinating. Uh, the like, and I've I've been there for a while alongside that and met him over times. I've had screaming matches with Carlos, and now we can have respectful conversations, uh, frequent conversations. So like, that emotional growth is actually really fascinating.
0: Well, why don't we stick with EU and move on to what's happening in the LEC? Mad Lions, they are occupying top spot. Emily, very happy about this. Mad Lions doing so, so well. But here's my question to you, Emily. We, we saw this like at least an iteration of this in spring, it wasn't as bad for G2, but we saw teams emerge and then teams sort of fall off. What is Mad Lions' fate in your opinion for the rest of the split? Are they for real? Should we buying so? Should we be buying stonks for Mad Lions? What are we doing here? Can they stay atop the standings?
1: So it's interesting because the moment I fell in love with this Mad Lions team was their first uh, game against G2 in spring, where they had like this really insane early game that took advantage of a lot of mistakes that G2 typically make in the early game. And then they got absolutely owned in the mid game uh, because G2 were just the smarter team and knew exactly how to, how to like come back. Um, and, but I was like, Oh, this team, like they're interesting. And I, I think it's both. It's still really difficult for me despite all the stuff that's going on with G2 right now, it's still really difficult for me to say that at the end of the split, we're not just going to end up regardless of if they have to come through like a a lower seed um, that we're not just going to end up seeing G2 take it all. We've seen that this roster that they have can compete on a world stage very easily. Uh, We've seen them be one of the best teams in the world. If not, like arguably the best team in the world for most of last year, given their record and their dominance. I know that's like a contentious opinion that a lot of uh, people argue back and forth with the rise of FPX in LPL uh, summer and then worlds. Um, I think both sides of the argument are really interesting, but are Madlines is the real deal. Yes, definitely. Uh, the thing I love about them the most is that actually they're they, like, we saw them, uh, willing to try out a few different things, a few different looks uh, this this past week. I love their experimentation with their compositions because I think it stays within the realm of something that's very easily executable with the players that they have, um, but also can get a little bit cute and throw other teams for a loop. I think Humanoid is having a career like split um, after we were kind of uh, considering him as maybe falling off a little bit from from what we'd previously seen with him on on Splice um, when Mad Lions were called Splice. So, I mean, I I love this Mad Lions lineup. I'm glad that the only reason I was hesitant about them in summer is because, again, uh, and not to compare it to the LPL, I feel like I compare everything to LPL, but in LPL, we always see, like, young teams come up, right, and, and dominate and do really, really well, and then they eventually fall off in playoffs, and then we might not see them again because the LPL has such a depth of talent that any team can kind of come up and do really, really well a lot of the time. So I think E-Star is a pretty good example, despite the fact that they also did lose their starting mid-laner of spring. Um, They fall off in playoffs. They're not as good this summer. And we've seen the rise of WE with Teacher Ma and Victory 5 with their new lineup. Um, I was so happy to see Mad Lions not fall off but improve, like just continue to improve. It's great to see that. Um, it's great to see that they took their their very successful spring and have just continued to build on that. And that's why I think bad lines are the real deal regardless. Although it's still difficult for me because of G2's prior success with this very specific lineup, it's still really difficult for me to see any team taking the summer LEC title, but G2. I don't think that takes away from the fact that the Mad Lions are a real deal.
2: Jacob, quick I, thought on this. I, I was about to say, if, if this was uh, around the horn, I'd be giving uh, Emily all the all the thumbs up, all the up up carrots uh, <laughs> on, on this, um, in the sense that, like, hell yeah. I actually think that mad lions is going to qualify for worlds maybe they don't do that by winning summer but i think from either from championship points because they were a playoff contender in the first first go round or whether they do it through the regional gauntlet like this team with europe having four slots i don't see a world where mad lions doesn't qualify for worlds and for being like a completely rebuilt organization and taking some very significant risks on young talent in uh from the erl leagues like that is amazing so like some props you know like i think uh, they're also doing really well in Counter Strike, so like some serious props to OAM for doing well in. Uh, obviously, the Toronto Defiant and the uh, Toronto uh, Ultra are not doing so great, um, in their respective games, hey. but. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, by the way, the reason I bring them up—they're owned by the same organization. For f- people unfamiliar, um, but nonetheless, Mad Lions is doing really well both in league and in Counter Strike with young, younger rosters. Um, and so that's actually pretty awesome to see, sort of that talent development. They also—I know Monty was giving them some love—and the CS team and the league team share the same GM, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, I'm super excited. I do think they will qualify for Worlds, and and uh, yeah, to to the point of humanoid, like amazing split for him so far. I was not as big of a believer as I was or in him as I was some of his teammates, but like I was wrong. Uh, I I think that that he's done really well for himself this split so far.
0: High praise from Jacob and Emily, also high praise in our ESPN power rankings. Here is our top 5 and you will see that Mad Lions occupy the fourth position. I think most of the chatter actually from our power rankings came from Cloud 9 being number 5. Whether you agree with that or not, you can feel free to take a look at our power rankings over at ESPN.com esports. Not in the top five is G2. Not in the lineup this week will be Perks for a very good reason. He's going to go spend some time with his family. Of course, condolences, as Jacob mentioned to him. Uh, his father passed away due to cancer, so he's going to go be with his family a little bit in Croatia, and then he will be back in action uh, in the near future. We don't know exactly when, but at least for the time being, uh, Pino will be back in bot lane for g2 there's the tweet that luca uh put out perks put out saying that he just needed to go and de-stress completely understandable we wish him good vibes and um, good times with his family as he recovers let's talk about pinoy let's talk about g2 with pinoy in the lineup now what will pinoy bring to this lineup and how will G two perform around Pinoy in bot lane, Jacob? Do you think that this will be a uh, a good?
2: Do you think Pinoy will rise to the occasion? No, um, I like. It's hard to say, right? It's been a long time. I went to find today for our producer Jarrett. I went to find Pinoy's last game in the in an an LCS because he did have a stint in in North American Challenger. I went to go find his last game in the LCS, and it was in. Tw- I believe 2014 or 2015 with Gambit. That was the last time he played, and it was in a relegation series against Sports. And Gambit wins this Series 3 out, to spoil it if you've never seen it. And Pinoy, actually, I was pretty high on the Pinoy fumes when he was in the EULCS. I actually thought he could be really good. But it's just been so long since he's been playing at the professional level. And I can't help but think, and I know I was the one just championing, championing M.A.S.H., and uh, championing MASH and Alrim earlier in the bad situations they were in. But Gambit wasn't a terribly managed team at the time. They were, like, middle of the pack in terms of, like, prestige and management. Everybody was kind of sloppy back then anyway. But it's just been so... It's been, like, a very long time since he's played at that level. And and I just, like... Perks is one of the best AD carries in Europe when he's, like, himself, right? Like, we've talked about this before, how well he did and exceeded expectations in 2019 when he was on this position. And so, like, Pinoy can't fill those shoes. My thought is whether or not he needs to fill those shoes one-to-one, right? Like, can Caps, can Wonder, can Yankos, right? Can any three of those guys, like, can Topside of the the Map carry these games? Possible. Totally possible, right? Like, uh, especially with the opponents they have coming up on the calendar this week. So maybe Pinoy doesn't need to do anything more than, like, do a good 25% of team damage right like just be there and like contribute to fights um but that's a big question but no he cannot fill the perk shoes but i don't know if he necessarily needs to
1: that was gonna be my point actually because if there's one person i believe in actually i believe in a lot of players on this team but one person that i think doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves is mickey x mr thank you for your question um i love mickey i think that he uh deserves a lot of credit for helping uh both caps and perks adjust to bot lane i think he's actually done a lot of heavy lifting that people just haven't seen and both caps and perks have actually credited him uh for this in interviews um i do think that they can keep their bot lane under control enough for g2 to go for a more solo lane focused style and i actually again uh Uh, G2 has played this style like previously with really strong success. That's what got them to, so far, uh, against a lot of odds in the 2018 World Championship with a completely different bot lane. Um, And I think that they could easily do something like what we saw from, and again, bringing it back to LPL, because I always have to, because I'm a pain in the butt like that. uh, EDG had to emergency start their trainee AD Carry uh, that they had recently bumped up BBD, not to be confused with BDD, the mid, the South Korean mid laner.
0: That's not confusing um, at all.
1: Yeah, I know BBD <laughs> is a Chinese Chinese bot laner um, who they they brought up from uh, from their L D L team, and he had to make his debut because hope they're starting AD Carry uh, and kind of the the bot lane trainee that they've put a lot of effort into raising uh, had a collapse long, like a, a spontaneous uh, pneumothorax. So he's recovering. They had to start him. They went for a more solo lane focused style. I'm not going to say the EDG looks great right now. I think they're missing Hope a lot. And they have not performed particularly well uh, since he has been out. But I did like, especially in their first series, how they drafted around their solo lanes and tried to take pressure off of BBD. So they weren't like, you know, here is a felios and you have to do all the damage and our composition is going to be solely around you and if you don't do it then we're completely scuffed and it's going to be terrible um that's not what they did at all they focused a lot more on their solo lanes um in the game that they won audi performed really really well in the top lane as camille uh and i think that uh g2 can easily go with a more solo lane focused style or if they want to focus around having a a high damage jungler. That's also another option for them, and they can give uh, Yankos a lot more carry potential as well. I think the big thing here is that G2 still has so many weapons that it it might not matter uh, what what their their bot lane is as long as they can keep it like even slash not not like even slash losing gracefully. If they can make that up in the rest of the map, they should still win. Um, Misfits and excel are their upcoming opponents so uh i think misfits can give them like can get a lot of punches in that's probably the the yeah. tougher opponent if i'm looking at these two teams but um it's not a completely dire situation and i think g2 still has the tools to win
0: all right, yeah, uh, Misfit, yeah. uh, Jacob. We got to move on. We only have a few minutes here. We have a few more topics to get to. Uh, speaking of misfits, they are part of that four way tie for third in the LEC right now between SK Gaming, Origin, Misfits, and G Two. Uh, quick thought from both of you on these questions regarding these four teams, of the four teams, SK, Origin, Misfits, G Two. Emily, starting with you, which one has the brightest future in the LEC this split?
1: G Two. <laughs> G2.
0: Okay, that's a good answer. Jacob? <laughs> Sorry. Jacob? G, G, G2. Okay, great. Final record in the summer split. Who has... Okay, take G2 out of the equation. If you were to predict uh, records for the other three teams, what would they be?
1: Ooh. I don't know about final record, but I still think... You get the order. same
0: rundown as I do, right?
1: I was, I was going to say... No, <laughs> but I, I want to say I hate, I hate predicting final record, right? Uh, but I will say mm. that I... Still expect Origin to finish the highest of the group if you take G two out of the equation.
2: Jacob, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing. Like, uh, okay, let's move on.
0: Uh, which uh, of these teams? Uh, teams pick, I,
2: I was, I was just one, gonna say I, my 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 full thought. I actually, I'm starting to buy into the SK Gaming hype I just a little you're bit. You're go uh, uh, just say it,
1: Jacob. You know you are. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I know you're actually with Origin.
2: Oh, I'm not picking Origin. I don't believe in that much faith. Uh, oh, it's hard to pick that bet. It's Misfits or SK, and I'm buying into the SK hype just a little bit. Okay, we'll get through that.
0: Yes or no, they make worlds. SK Origin Misfits G2.
2: Um, G2, G2, G2 yes. for sure. Uh, Origin maybe because they did the best this spring of all these teams. Um, so they could get in on championship points depending on what happens with Fnatic, um, or MAD depending i actually think mad Lions may get in on the championship points and then regional qualifier is gonna have to be for everything i don't know i don't know what to think about SK Gaming? they've torn they've like broken <laughs> me up because like i they they made like they did a role swap with mid laner going top and top laner going mid and then they made a coaching change to jesus and i'm just unsure what's going on with this team i need more data misfits maybe
1: that's fair I still think Origin have the highest, uh, like, of the teams mentioned, just based on championship points and also just based on their roster. Um, I I don't know why. Like, it's kind of one of those those things where I still kind of see Fnatic recovering, although that's looking a lot more dicey um, after this <laughs> these past few weeks. Uh, I still, for for whatever reason, think Origin are going to sneak in there. As one of the four teams, because we do have four, uh, and I'm not trying to discredit how competitive, because like it's incredibly competitive right now. You can look at pretty much every team here, like at least the top yep. seven teams, and make a case that they're going to represent the LAC.
0: roster changes. SK Origin Misfits. I'm going to assume that we're going to say G2 will not be making any roster changes, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Let's focus on SK Origin and Misfits. If you think any of these teams will make a roster change at all this season, which one would make the change? These are really tough questions. Jared, our producer is trying to stump you hard this week.
1: I know. I mean, I... Origin? Origin? My origin. neighbor's dog d- my neighbor's dog agrees. Your neighbor's with you, dog is barking that. Misfits. <laughs> Clearly yeah. Misfits is making a change.
0: Copy's <laughs> not enough. I don't know.
1: Um Origin. I mean, I I would have to agree with Jacob actually, despite the fact that I think I mean, I don't think or I don't think any of these teams are gonna make roster changes, to be quite honest. But if if one of them did, uh it would probably be origin, unless Misfits decided to go back. And swap supports again, but I don't see why they would do that.
0: Sirius A in the chat said Fnatic, and that's a good Ooh, point. that is. Well,
1: Fnatic wasn't in the group you asked us about, though. That's correct. Period. They're
0: not. They're not in the three-way. They're not in the four-way tie for third.
1: Yeah, they're but lower. Does,
0: some people might say that this roster, especially after that G two game, that rivalry game, some might say they could be falling apart or there could be nope. signs of cracks in the
2: wall. Dun,
1: dun, dun.
2: I mean, I just got a message from someone yeah. saying that Denek is probably coming back, so Misfits, but uh, that's... that's uh, Yeah, that's so the there we go. I
1: was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> if they want to swap, that's why I was like, I don't know if that's a to bad. That's not a, change.
2: Not a roster yeah. change, though. That's it's like just like... a
1: swap that was already happening, so I wasn't sure. Ha! Huh. See? I, I got it. I, I count that as a win for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, Fnatic. Oof. Are we going to end on them? Just a quick... Then, well, then, I mean, we, we, we still have Guess Who end.
0: to do. I don't know if we have time for Guess Who, but let's just talk about Fnatic for a second here. Uh Just the idea that they have a pretty light week, all intents and purposes, th- coming up against Schalke and Vitality. But still, uh the, at least Fnatic fans have a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth from the entire split, but definitely from the game against G2. So... Where is this team right now? Do they have the. Do you feel like we've seen enough from this team that we don't think that they're going to be able to bounce back? Are they just hitting a bump in the road? What is the vibe you're getting from this team?
1: Uh, I Fnatic are always one of those teams that it's really difficult for me not to see them sneaking in and doing weirdly well in playoffs because they've done it before. I think the thing that everyone's going to point out uh, currently is Nemesis and his performances because having uh, the mid lane be so destabilized, especially in a meta where there are champions available that he is supposed to and has historically been very good at um namely the twisted fate uh that used to be like a must ban against nemesis um so i mean i think if they are like if you're asking me if they would consider roster change i don't know maybe they'd want to swap for magi felix like i i like don't want to necessarily throw nemesis under the bus but i do think that having such a such a destabilized point uh in mid-pressure is really, really affecting how the team has to play. And it is unfortunate, uh, in my opinion, especially for self-made, because I do think self-made has still been performing really well, really well. Um in in light of the team's synergy issues. So uh I mean, it it's been rough. It's been really rough to watch Fnatic. I actually thought they were gonna recover this week. Like I still think I still thought they were going to lose to G2, but not as badly as they did. I uh,
2: I had I had some tea Last in on this, this cup. I had some tea in this cup before the show. I don't anymore. I wish I did cuz I agree with Emily I that, can, uh, I can it, it wait, was it was it was yeah, it hot tea or was it cold tea? tea? No, it was, it was we cold, have cold the tea. Same I, cups, I was going by by to spill I was going to spill it. Um nonetheless, yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't know if Magic Felix makes things any better, but yeah, there's an issue. All right, uh, let's there
0: let's end on this uh we like to do a game called guess who guess the professional league of legends player i have three prepared for you and for chad as well one of them uh this one i will say comes from the lcs so here are the stats of this player this was from week three only this was this player's stats in week three a four six and twelve kda 84.2 percent kill participation 18% 18% gold, Wait, 3, eight, 18, 18%? 18% gold percentage and 10.3 18% gold percentage and 10.3% damage participation. The jungler, right?
1: Or support. Uh take
0: a guess, Chad. Who do you think
2: it is?
1: That KDA four, six, and twelve?
2: That seems like a support, KDA. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say I think it's a support super high kill participation too um...
0: I will confirm that you said the role correctly one so of support them. support support you said two oh,
1: support. Jungler. Support. i think I think it's a support because of the damage percentage junglers right now have do do more damage than that in my opinion who's that Pokemon
0: that uh... make a guess who's that Pokemon make a guess uh, chat's got I'm some good to
2: guesses got- chat's got I'm some good guesses this I'm going
1: I'm
2: I'm to say I'm going I'm to say it's Biofrost
1: Bio I was going to go so Bio or Ignar so I'll I'll go huh? with Ignar
0: Vanya Mar said Biofrost as well, so agreed with you, Jacob. Actually, someone in chat did get the correct answer. Our long-standing chat member wow. of the ESPN Esports community Flashy Singh. You are correct, sir. You did it right. Smithy is the wow, correct answer. Nice.
1: Okay. Wow. was it Smithy He played... What? Oh, Trundle and... Yeah, I guess that would make sense.
2: Yeah.
0: Kill participation was struggle and
1: Iver. it's the Ivern! Oh mm. man, okay, never mind. The, I,
0: the damage I, percent threw me for a Yeah, I was thinking like
1: <laughs> how can a jungler do that low amount of damage. Like a flashy knows
0: Flashy's like Ivern. I, Ivern. Ivern, I knew all along.
1: It's the Ivern. That was very smart Good job.
0: Um if if Ender is still in the in the chat, by the way, this one is the LEC. I'd love to see his prediction on this one. KDA nine this is from an LEC from the LEC, obviously, nine one and ten. KDA, kill participation percentage fifty nine percent, plus seven hundred and fifty four experience differential at fifteen minutes, and twenty eight point two percent damage participation.
1: Huh.
2: g two, in my opinion, I I my guess would be perks off the top of my head, but uh, uh but they lost to SK. I don't think that's right. Uh, is it...
1: The damage participation keeps throwing me for a loop here. Oh, nine one in ten. Flashy, 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 in the chat is
0: eighty carry for sure. Is it? That's... Is it? Car-Z? Yeah, it is an eighty. Is it? I do
2: think is it Karzi?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. That's my guess.
2: It's Karzi, team that went two zero because that that death is really low. Oh, somebody said. Oh, look at, look at uh,
0: Flashy. Kave. Flashy is two for two. Can you believe this?
1: Kave, nice.
0: Unbelievable. Miss-
1: Woo! Wow, oh, he did only die
2: Look one. at Kave. K- Kave getting those They did those go 2-0, stats. and they played Vitality in XL, so I guess I should have guessed that also. I-, I just have a lot of faith in Kave. <laughs>
0: All right, our third one comes from the LCK. KDA, 21, 10, and
1: 35. Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs>
0: Kill participation percentage seventy point six percent. Creep score per minute nine point one. Damage percentage twenty seven point five percent.
1: It's a teddy.
0: Who is it?
1: That's my like off the, the top of my head guess, off but the um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he actually had that many pretty. kills, but I'm pretty sure he like. He absolutely destroyed Sandbox. So I'm going to stick with Teddy on this.
0: Jacob? I'll go with Teddy too. Someone in chat got it right. And you know who would have gotten it right? Tyler. Oh. Tyler would have gotten this Damn one.
1: Damn it. I got, <laughs> I, got I, I got T1 because they not only did did well against Afrika, but they absolutely liked pub stomped sandbox so i knew they had insane numbers
2: make sure you draft him in whatever fantasy draft we do next even if it's some random game you'll win on twitter yeah faker so join us in an hour we're gonna take an hour
1: break but we're gonna be
0: back here yeah uh emily and jacob clearly beatable in trivia based on the last three questions totally kidding it's a lot of fun, though. So at nine o'clock Eastern, we're gonna we're gonna resume. It's back. League of Legends, ESPN Esports Trivia Night, Stats and Information Group, uh, which is our two hundred IQ division of ESPN, gives us questions and trivia. It is LCS focused this week. That is the theme. It's the LCS trivia this week. So in an hour join us back here and you can play along. All you need, we'll give you exactly the simple instructions you need to join us and play along. It's a ton of fun, lasts about an hour, probably less actually, because we only have one part. So it's probably going to be about half an hour, 45 minutes, but it's a whole lot of fun. And you can be there joining us and you can have bragging rights. If you beat our esteemed experts, you can say, Hey, for one week, I was a lol god. We'll see you in an hour.